It's time for Now We're Talking, a show about empowerment and keeping the conversations going. Sponsored by Living Attributes, helping you find your life purpose. Head to the website, www.elizabethelames.com. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth. Hello and welcome to the Now We're Talking show. I'm your host this week, Elizabeth E. Lames, co-founder of Now Empowerment Collective and author of The Living Attributes Typology. And my co-hosts are Cherie Rowett from Heart Choice Enterprises and co-founder of Now Empowerment Collective and Susan Knapp, CEO at Intuit Africa and team member at Now Empowerment Collective. So, how are we after Christmas? <laughs> we are good. We're excited to be back. Yeah. yeah, really excited to be back. So how was your Christmas, Susan? It was uh, surprisingly peaceful yeah. in uh, a very lovely, a very lovely way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anything to share on that? Uh, well, I, I've struggled with Christmas a bit since I've been back in Australia. I've been, I've struggled with the consumerism of Christmas. I've struggled with the uh, the concepts of my children receiving so many extra gifts mm. on a day of the year when nowadays our society works in such a way that we our kids get stuff all the time. Mm. So it wasn't like when I was a kid where you would actually wait for Christmas or I think Christmas or a birthday uh, to receive something. It's like they get it all the time. They get it as bribery in the supermarket. They, they just yeah. get stuff all the time. So I, I struggle with that part, but then I struggle with then giving them more um, at Christmas just to sort of fit in with this um, this social prototype that we're supposed to be living. So over the last couple of years, my kids and I have been really good in, in evolving that in our family, and they now understand that they're allowed, they can have one gift each that they choose. And that gift comes from me and they still, like, you know, Amalia's only seven, so she still puts the reindeer food out and she still believes that Father Christmas comes, um, but he comes to receive. So he comes to receive his um, glass of milk or whatever it is that she puts out for him rather than to give. So we're just trying to explore the balance around that. And honestly, this year I've had a bit of criticism about it in the past, like I'm ruining Christmas or um, I'm the Christmas Grinch or what have you, but it's actually just evolving into what I think will prove to be a little bit more of a peaceful time around that time of Christmas. Mm. And you're setting up your own culture. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. What about you, Cherie? Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. Um, great to hear about your Christmas, Susan. Um, and um, it's really lovely to hear that you're thinking outside the square and how to do something differently. Thank you, Cherie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I found that I had to think outside the square this year with our Christmas. I didn't actually feel Christmassy at all in the lead-up, I think just because of the uh, change in the environment that we're living in at the moment with our borders opening up at the end of November. There was just a lot of... Uh, it felt like a lot of disruption, a lot of concern and uncertainty in our communities. And, um, so I kind of didn't, I didn't get into the Christmas spirit particularly well. Um, but a, a day or so before Christmas, um, I decided that we should make the effort and put the Christmas tree up. So we did. And oh boy, was I glad that we did because the minute the lights, you know, we pressed the power switch on and the little lights around the tree started their little pretty flashing, it just immediately felt like Christmas was with us again. Um, and so just having that, it's the power of that tree and the awe and mm. the wonder that comes with the tradition of that beautiful lit up tree in your mm. house, it just really does, I think, um, just does create 
creates this Christmas spirit around you and you can't do anything but mm. sort of, um, fall under its spell, really. It's just, it's beautiful. So, um, yeah, so, and we did Christmas differently this year. We went for a picnic in the park and it was beautiful. It was yeah. really relaxed and it was, we, you know, it created lovely memories for um, the two grandchildren in the family because my father, who's in his late 80s, he even hopped up and played frisbee with the kids. Oh, so, beautiful. So really, really pleased. And, you know, helping us to carry our stuff from the car over to the picnic rug and, and vice versa. So it was just mm. the, they are the gifts. Chris and Susan, mm. when you talk about, you know. You're right. The, giving and the receiving, I, I, they, for me, were the highlights and they were such simple person-to-person giving mm. and receiving. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. yeah. What, about, what about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, well, there was, again, you know, a lot of flexibility that sort of have to, had to happen in our um, arena as well. Um, yeah, we didn't know whether my mother-in-law was coming for lunch because um, my sister-in-law um, had been in close, well, somebody at her workplace had been in close contact, mm. blah, blah, and, uh, yeah, so it was like right to the, right on Christmas morning, she had to wait for her result to come back and said, no, I'm clear, I can go, get, can go and get the mother-in-law <laughs> and, uh, you know, bring her back, and it was absolute bliss. It was oh. yeah. I, it was probably one of the most memorable Christmases because uh, yeah. just sitting across from this woman who nearly lost her life at the beginning of the year um, yeah. through an adverse sort of uh, vaccine moment, um, and just looking at this the tenacity of this lady mm. and thinking, wow, you know, at ninety three, here she is, still. Yeah, she she just wants to participate. You know, her spirit was so strong mm. that you know, you know, when we were doing the presents, um, Stanley kept giving <laughs> the scissors just to cut the ribbon, and she's like, no, no, you know, she was, you know, determined to Aww. actually get these bows undone with her fingers, and yeah, you'd love it from a occupational therapist yes. perspective, and yes. yeah, she she just said no, no, and she just and she was in awe of every gift that she was given. I just love her, and just mm. getting down the rosé and the champers, and who, who's <laughs> normally not a drinker, but she doesn't mind a drop mm. now, and um, <laughs> so so we had a great time, and so beautiful that the three of us sort of had this commonality, and I'm sure yeah. listeners had it as well that it really became a time of contemplation and reflection yeah. and reprioritizing. So it's almost like the chaos that led up to it mm. um, was perhaps a bit of a catalyst for us to sit and reflect on what is really important and yeah yeah and those people who are really important to to have around us and maybe not just at Christmas maybe all the time yeah <laughs> thanks Susan yeah so this is our third week in our four-part series of focusing on community first leadership so again what is community first leadership well our world is moving towards new social structures which involves creating new systems new communities and new businesses and these new initiatives need a more cooperative style of leadership to grow the humanity we all want. Many people today, they do want to make a difference, um, but they don't want to do it on their own. They want to do it in community. So today's show is focused on community-first leadership, like I said, and how choice and change are key in the world of our three people <laughs> here today, Susan, Cherie and myself. Each segment of today's show will dive deep into the aspects of how and why choice and change support community-first leadership. And in our deep dive segment, we will share some of our lived experiences around choice and change and why um, things don't work when, when choice and change aren't in the picture. 
Which leads us to the last part of the show, keeping the conversation going, where we broaden our discussion and invite you to keep the conversation going in your own community and perhaps take up the idea of community-first leadership. We'll head to a break now, and coming up after the break, we'll talk with the NOW team. You're listening to the NOW We're Talking show on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM Adelaide. Are you at a point where your work or life doesn't seem to cut it anymore and the emotional feeling in your stomach or heart is calling you to do something different? Elizabeth Elames is an archetype activator and her purpose is helping you to identify what that something different is and why it surfaced. Teaching you how to bring your inner archetypes to life, Elizabeth can identify your story, activate your codes and align you with your soul's higher purpose. Find your inner strength and direction by visiting www.elizabethelames.com Maisha Flow is an Adelaide-based not-for-profit which empowers girls in Kenya. It does that by making sustainable sanitary packs for the women living in the slums. 17-year-old Alia Sarango does all of this from Adelaide, which also gives employment opportunities in Kenya. You can help by inviting Alia to speak at your business, school or corporate event. Follow Alia on Instagram, maisha.flow. You're listening to Now We're Talking, promoting empowerment and ensuring the conversation continues. Welcome back. You're listening to the Now We're Talking show with Elizabeth E. Lames and co-host Cherie Rowett and Susan Knapp from the Now Empowerment Collective. Hi, Susan and Cherie. Hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome to our deep dive segment. Okay, so Cherie, let's have a talk about uh, choice. Um, yes. Is there a specific time when your choice played an important role in your leadership? <laughs> such a simple but such a tough question <laughs> I reckon that um, I love choice I love the fact that as human beings we do have choice and that we've got that degree of freedom that we express by making choices um, and so it's pretty important actually the choices that we make and sometimes we make the right choice and then in hindsight what felt like a right choice at the time can actually we can see look back no well, actually that might have been the wrong <laughs> so it's such an interesting topic isn't it um, and I guess for me I, I, I think um, I often have embraced choice and when you ask about how it's played an important role in my leadership, Elizabeth, I guess, I guess it's about um, it, it. I think it has been key actually in my own self empowerment over the years. So I, I think one key choice that I took on was really a choice to um, break free from a family narrative around our racial heritage. Mm-hmm. So um, my mum had been born into a a family where her grandfather had come from overseas, but in in living in Queensland at the time, in the era of a white Australia policy, and so it was really um, it was really unpopular, and it was really a social disadvantage in that small town to have to be associated with this man of colour, and um, so 
you know, the, the family narrative was to try and shut that down and to distance from it and to minimise um, that sense of otherness within us as a family. And as I grew up, I kind of stumbled upon the truth and then I had, a, had to choose what to do with that because, you know, the family um, advice uh, from my darling mum who had nothing but love for us was to kind of keep it hidden and not to share or not to embrace it not, and to see it as a liability. Um, and so I did actually sit with that um, for many years but it kept stirring, kept stirring, kept knocking at my heart as to something about that didn't feel right. It didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel like I was really um, accepting a basic truth about myself, you know. And what did it say? Um, it sort of was steeped in racism to actually hold that as a secret. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I kind of had this journey that took me to look at that story um, up front uh, come to terms with it within myself, face racism within myself, you know, to realise that suddenly I wasn't who I thought I'd been as I grew up and that, you know, so therefore I was much closer to racial diversity than I'd ever realised. I had it in my own bloodline. So then it really made me look at race racism as well with fresh eyes and to understand that a little bit more. Um, so, gosh, I think that choice, which, which I must say at the time, um, I'd kind of talk about that, my yearning for more honesty and a bigger story around that, a more more truthful story around it with other family members, and it wasn't something that others wanted to choose to do. So it was a sort of a bit of a personal um, choice to do that. Um, but I look back now and I think if I hadn't done that, I can't imagine that I would um, be who I am now or feel um, empowered in my own leadership as I do now. Yeah. So, I, yeah, yeah. So it sort of it really sort of brings us to the next question as well around change. So in that choice you were creating change in that story in that narrative for the family as well. Yeah. So was that a turning point for you around change in your leadership as well? Yes. Yes, I think um I think choice does create change mm -hmm. and I think often with choice you need to be really clear about um the level of responsibility that you are willing to take in your life. So, um, you know, as I, as I challenged that narrative for myself, I knew I had to take responsibility around all the big feelings that it would create. Because change always creates, you know, big, mm. big, big feelings and a big challenge in a way. And so I knew that that was something I was choosing to face. And, um, I kind of took responsibility for it and went, right, you know, mm. <laughs> if you want to move through this rather than hide from it, you need to kind of be prepared to take responsibility around all the wealth of feelings and all the all the journey um, involved in it. So um, <clears throat> yeah, so what I, was that choice? You know, so your heritage now, can you uh, share that with us now and feel, yeah, give us a celebration of that? Oh, yes, more than happy to. So I've got many, um, many countries in my ancestry mm -hmm. and, um, and I think one of the most interesting is a Chinese great-grandfather who um, came out and uh, came to look for his brother, actually, who had come before him to try and, um, you know, Australia was the land of the gold and the gold rushes and a lot of people came from many places around the world to be part of that. And his brother had come and then they'd lost complete track of him. So he came to find his brother. And I don't think he did find his brother, but he ended up staying. He settled in Queensland um, and married an Irish lass up there and then brought his herbal um, ex knowledge and expertise 
uh, to that town and ran a herbal shop from mm. the back of their house. Um, went on to have nine children with his darling wife. Um, and yeah, so what an interesting story. So mm. lots in of mix- choice and change there. Yes, all, yeah. all the big mix yeah. of the Scottish, the German, the, yeah. um, the English, the Irish, no. you know, there he is as well. So it's, it's delightful to, to own all of them. <laughs> And to be grateful to yeah. all of them for what they passed on to all of us, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How about you, oh, Susan? What yeah. a captivating story, Cherie. I was just there in trance. I think, uh, and, and it's interesting when we, I, I love getting the running sheets pre-show from Elizabeth because it really then makes me start to think about how I've um, used choice and change. And and a process that I'm going through at the moment is recording my audiobook. And it's been a very, very fascinating process to hear my life back through my own words. Very different to actually just reading them in. And, and also when you're, when you are doing your own book, as you know, it's really hard to read it back to yourself and, and sort of download it. But for me, hearing it back, uh, has been really, really fascinating on so many levels. And I've just finished part one, which I think was where I acted on, um, a lot of default narratives in my life that I, that I hadn't consciously chose, chosen. For myself, um, you know, you're born into a religion and you're born into an ethnicity and you're, you're born into a, a lifestyle. And I then took that and lived, um, took it into another world, which created up this, this stirring pot of, um, craziness. And then the part, part two of the book is actually called My Year of Deliberate Intention. And it's exactly like Cherie was saying. It's actually the, the first part of it is rewriting my narrative. And, so in the year of deliberate intention, it is and was at the time making a very conscious choice about everything I did. So words I used, um, people I saw, uh, jobs I took up, I, I really made that that year of choice. And wow, what a difference it made. <laughs> It changed a lot of things, yeah. So it changed a lot of things, and and as the book goes on, it then uh, the the last part of the book is that if we when we make those choices and we um, in my case it was detoxing particular fed narratives about who I was and and why I was here, and when I actually detoxed those narratives and put narratives of choice in place, it became the birth of my organisation in Africa. And so that was an enormous change. And as I, as I incrementally made these choices, the activation of that was phenomenal change. And ultimately, as the book says, and as my life has tried to manifest is, was actually the, the quest for inner peace. And just not on a, not, not even on a, on a really big spiritual level, although that's what it is. It was actually, just knowing that each day it, I am consciously making the choice to live in peace and I'm changing from the chaos to peace. And then the projects in Africa that we run with manif- physical manifestations of that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so change is really um, inevitable, isn't it, really? Yeah, it is yeah. inevitable. And then the, there's us trying to stop change mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you share with the listeners that 
what happens when you see the change being held and um, or fixed? Well, there's that saying that what we resist persists. Mm-hmm. And I think when we resist change, uh, the, the energy persists. And quite often, grows, when, yeah. yeah, when we are so embedded in our lack of willingness to change, it, it change is inevitable. It's it's already happening, whether we're going with it or whether we're resisting it. It's happening. But if we re- the the harder we resist it, the more suffering we in- endure. So true. Yeah, I think yeah. I remember writing a blog about change like that. That yet yeah, change brings more change. <laughs> yes. I was thinking, wow, you know, like you think, wow, you've got some change happening in your life, you know, having to, you know, finish a business and you know, mm. do things like that. And mm. of course, then that, that creating that change creates more change. Then, then you have to change what you've been doing and, and, um, and I yeah, think it's connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's then connected to surrender as opposed to control. And I think we're we're quite often raised in such a way that we believe we are in control and we believe that we have control. Whereas when we actually surrender the the control, we walk into change a bit more consciously or, or with a bit of an open mind. And then amazing things happen. Yeah, they really go hand in hand, don't they? Absolutely. Choice and change. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, like choice, um, change actually does make you make new choices. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of people are quite often when they've when they've not consciously thought about change, they they sit in a, a place where they tend to blame others rather than taking responsibility for the choices. We we make choices all day every day. Um it's just bringing them to that point of consciousness and then being really open to the changes that they bring. Mm, thank you. Okay, so thanks, team. Thank you. That's that's been very good. Lots of information happening there. It's been great to hear your insights around choice and change in Community First Leadership. And listeners, please contact um, Cherie and Susan, um, Susan at Inter-Ed Africa and Cherie at Heart Choice Enterprises. And, of course, visit our Now Empowerment Collective website, which is www.now-collective.org. We're heading to a break now. We'll be back with some more Community First Leadership campaign. You're listening to the Now We're Talking show on 87.6 FM Adelaide, Radio Italia Uno. Intuit Africa, an organisation that's changing the world for the better, transforming global communities by challenging the status quo of education and operations in Africa and Australia. Using a social enterprise model with global connections, working with people on the ground as their guides, helping build and develop sustainable education and purposeful enterprise facilities in Kenya and Rwanda. Visit their website, intoafrica.org, to donate or call their CEO, Susan Knapp, on 0414 651 012. You're listening to Now We're Talking, promoting empowerment and ensuring the conversation continues.
Hi, and welcome back to the Now We're Talking show. This is week three in our four-part series, highlighting our Now campaign, Community First Leadership. Our focus today is choice and change, and their influences on Community First Leadership. So let's have a look at these two words, choice and change. I love doing definitions. Um, (laughs) So choice, number one, an act of choosing between two or more possibilities, two. The right or ability to choose. Three, a range of possibilities from which one or more may be chosen. And four, the power, right or opportunity to choose. Hmm. You wouldn't have thought that. Hey, the power, (laughs) the power, the right or opportunity to choose. Wow. And change. One. Make someone or something different, alter or modify. Two, become different, be altered or modified. Three, turn or convert something from one state, form or substance into another. Four, turn or be converted from one state, form or substance into another. Well, that's a tricky one. Yeah. So let's have a look at choice and change. Where has choice and change in leadership been present in my life and what did I learn from it? Um, Yeah, so choice and change together um, just recently uh, made me decide to uh, let go of a property actually that I thought was an investment for my business and for my future. And because of our current climate, financial climate and just social social climate at present, um, I decided that to have a really close look at, at that and realised that I'd had this property for 12 years and it didn't look like it was going to be making any money. <laughs> and I was a bit pissed by that, actually. <laughs> and then I didn't only realise that it wasn't making any money I then realised that the bank had been making lots of Mm. money. (laughs) So I had to make a choice. Mm. And I thought, wow, you need to get out of here, girl. (laughs) Mm, That's a brave choice. Yeah, yeah, Mm, When it comes to property, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, fortunately, the market has gone up a little bit at the moment. So we might make, you know, I might make a little bit of money, but I had to make that choice. Mm. And... uh, yeah, so I had to also let go of another part of my business that I had been doing for a long time. So I, I moved through enormous change, which accompanied was accompanied by grief, which mm, you know my I, my yeah. ideals of who I what who I thought I wanted to be were um, being challenged. So you know I had to make some choices and create, oh, being really forced. The change was really forcing me, you know, from outside mm. as well. Um, yeah, so that's sort of, I think, where a lot of people are perhaps at at the moment. Um, yeah, it just reminded me, I, I, someone contacted me today from New York um, that I made friends with on Instagram and, um, you know, it, last year. Um, and this person reached out in today, actually, and mm. saying that they were struggling and... Um, I was so happy that I had 
an opportunity to give her another choice of mm. of what to do. So she's somebody who's also reading my book, and um, I was able to support her in that way. So I think you know many of us are you know being challenged by the change mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. having to make choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and sometimes those choices are just to to reach out. You know, to to have the courage to take make a choice to just reach out to somebody mm, absolutely um, where you wouldn't normally. Yeah, yeah. So, what about you, Cherie? <clears throat> Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, yeah. It is really interesting, isn't it, to think about choice and change and how they contribute to your sense of purpose. Yeah, um, and. I've been really reflecting on this actually. Over the last two months, I've been doing a lot of change in my front garden. Now, I know that might seem a little bit removed from my main purpose. I'm not going to talk business right now. But it relates to this sense of praxis with this human capacity to imagine and dream of something different and then to take the actions to um, achieve that or to, to create that change. And I guess in a very physical sense uh, you know reshaping one's front garden whole front garden is is a, a really practical example of doing that and it's taken a long time and there's been a lot to consider there's been a lot of um choices to make in the process and I, it's been quite um you just can't get away from it when you're doing something that is a physical task that has a beginning a middle and an end you just can't get there any other way than by doing the thing that needs to be done first, then the thing that follows that, and then getting towards the end and, and achieving the end and completing it. So I have found myself out there and daily making this choice um, to, in the middle of all the uncertainty in the world around us as we know it and in the social order, it seems, is to kind of persist and on a daily basis to choose what to do. Do mm. I spend time developing my business materials and, and things like that or do I is that garden needing my attention? And actually at the moment, um, if I can get the garden in order, it will then maintain itself. So mm. it's been a process of being um, patient and doing things in an order to, for, and for a reason within a, a total framework of what makes sense. And I think this is the complexity that we all face in, in our lives is, is the choices we make, when to do things, what's the priority now, um, and what, how will that fit? What sort of change is being created? How will that fit in what our overall purpose is? So for me to have some beauty and some peace in in my physical space is is important to me at, at this time mm. I must say, and it will support me then to be productive as the year progresses. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm not using a procrastination excuse as I say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's not procrastination. No, no. it's actually taken a lot of dedication and commitment to daily attend to it and move it along so that it will then be in its right and sustainable place in my life overall and I can then focus my energy into other areas in their right timing, you know. So it's a really interesting contemplation to me about this this aspect of human praxis is, you know, how we put things together, how we do what we do, what we need to do and what needs to be done, yeah. Maybe it's the new shop front for your business. <laughs> yes, well, I have been working from home, so it does feel like it's linked in its own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sounds beautiful. Mm, well, it is beautiful. You. I've actually seen it. it looks fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, I just want to expand on that. I'm just having flashbacks, actually, um, around my friend um, in America, triggering for me around, uh, you know, me making a choice at a very young age and why um, it probably resonated with me so much today um, with my friend is because, one, I made a choice at four to tell my auntie about abuse from my father and she told my mum, and that created enormous change in our life. Mm. Uh, yeah. There mm. you go. Boom, boom. That's yeah. it. It's like, wow. so, mm. yeah, so that a simple act of having a choice to tell somebody or reaching out and speaking to someone is what can create the change. Mm. Yeah. And can I add to that? Yes. Yeah. But then the person who received and listened to your mm. message, their choice to hear it yes. and give it credibility, yeah. take it seriously yeah. and to take the action to create change when it may have been easier for them from their perspective. Exactly. Not the status quo. Yeah. That, you know, all of that whole sequence was really important, wasn't it? Absolutely. Because mm. so there's this ripple effect, you know, so mm. for some reason I found the courage to you know, make a choice to tell my auntie who then had the courage and made the choice to tell my mother mm. who then, you know, this was the third time we'd left my father, so mm. then gave my mum the courage <laughs> to make a choice. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. So talk about community first, leadership. Like <laughs> each of us in community yeah. has responsibility yeah. around our choices and the change we want to mm. create. Look at how it creates a better world and a better life. For Isn't that here. amazing? Mm. I've never yes. ever, you know, yes. like I wrote this piece of paper here today that, about it, you know, that we were going to talk about choice and change, but um, I've never thought of it in that context. Mm. But yes. it's, it's really big. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and how interesting that that's embedded in me because um, straight away I knew that when, when that person told me, to say a prayer basically for them. And um, I knew straight away <laughs> that I, I said, tell me what is your this archetype... The person, is this the person in New York? Yes. About yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so the person... In, sorry, yeah. Um, so I knew straight away to find out what her archetypes are so that I... And I said, because then I will connect with my community and we will do it as a team. Mm, Love. Love. So beautiful. Yeah, so... So, but I just, yeah, so isn't that interesting? Mm. I, so that four-year-old mm. had, because of those circumstances, yeah, it's embedded in me to do that, mm. to know how to do that. But I didn't even know that I knew how to do that until right now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good. And I'm going to expand on it a little bit, Elizabeth, yeah. and actually also um, take it and if I can sure. relate into something that I've been going through recently with regards to making choices that are activating changes is actually more on a on an interpersonal, interpersonal or intrapersonal, like with myself. Mm-hmm. So, again, going back to recording the audio book and, and hearing my life, what it's doing is it's um teaching me to have a new narrative with myself about how I perceive myself in terms of some things like levels of expertise. So I'm quite often pretty good at putting myself down, not necessarily to other people, but to myself. 
And and as an example, uh, one of the one of the changes that has occurred lately, and maybe it's because we're coming up to the end of the year or whatever's going on, is that I've made. I always say that I run a project in Africa. And actually, as I've been hearing my life back, I don't run a project in Africa. I run an international organization that employs 15 people. And so when you actually then start activating that change within yourself about yourself, I think you can then step into who you authentically are and and sort of yeah you you just see things really really differently and so then of course I have to change my language around it but it was having that conversation about myself of um the change that of the dialogue that I need to have with myself about choices of how I perceive myself very good. Yes, yeah. it was good. Bring yeah. on the new year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, actually think this sort of quickening that's happening up to Christmas, mm. you know, from Christmas mm. to the new year, it's very accelerator. Uh, it's got a lot of <laughs> archetypal and angelic forces going, mm. speeding along here. You know, really assisting people who uh, who want to create new choices in the world and create change. Yeah, it's fascinating. Sort of, yeah, great topic. I think we're being, you know. Challenged, but also assisted. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you, team. Again, what a great What a great chat. Yeah, really great. <laughs> You're listening to the Now We're Talking show, and after the break, we'll be back with more concepts and ideas so you can keep the conversation going. You're listening to Radio Italia Uno on 87.6 FM. Heart Choice Enterprises offers occupational therapy services that assist in making life doable and enjoyable for adults with lived experience of disability and for caregivers. Using an occupational therapy framework, Heart Choice Enterprises also develops and leads projects that promote inclusive communities. The Heart Choice Enterprises mission is to co-create belonging and well-being. Their vision is balancing heart and mind in living, leading and caregiving. Visit their website www.heartchoiceenterprises.com or call 0401 065 234. You're listening to Now We're Talking, promoting empowerment and ensuring the conversation continues. Welcome back to the show. If you just joined in, you're listening to the Now We're Talking radio show and we're the Now Empowerment Collective. Our intention in this part of the show is to stir your imagination. So let's dive in and talk about more themes and concepts that occur in Community First Leadership. I'm going to start with um, sharing with listeners, um, you know, so what happens when uh, we create panic and compliance in leadership? (laughs) None of us know what that is at the moment, do we? So thought I'd be a little controversial. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, can uh, panic. All right. Seeing I did the four-year-old thing and, uh, you know, I could have just panicked and uh, had more compliance mm. around my father's behaviour. Mm. So what would have happened? 
I probably wouldn't be sitting here. Mm. Yeah, actually. Mm. So if I just stayed in that panic mode and traumatised and um, compliance, yeah, that's what happens. We become numb, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A bit sort of deer in headlights, rabbit in headlights, whatever we want to call it, or part of the world we're in. <laughs> um, mm. So... Yeah, so choice and change are much more attractive, I think, than panic and compliance or compromise. Absolutely. Yeah. But they take a lot of courage. Yeah, definitely. I think the the panic and compliance are are fear-governed. So it's interesting as we hear your story, Elizabeth, to to see the courage in that four-year-old. Yeah, and, you know, I'll throw in grooming as well because there's that aspect as well that happens with Mm, with what I'm talking about mm, around around abuse. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's those things that happen to us as um, in communities as well, you, mm. know, you know, around leadership that people groom other people to get what they want, yeah. so to speak. So, um, you know, with that, I'll throw it over to you too. <laughs> <laughs> around, um, yeah, what you'd like to share with the listeners um, around courage and community and Courage, whoops, no, not courage, choice. As we said, though, it Another does C, take, yeah. it does choice, take courage. courage. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, it does. And I think yeah. um, that uh, choice, when we make choices that um, follow our own intuition of what needs to happen or what is the right thing for us, I think that um, don't underestimate the pull and the social, yeah, the social pull to to um, comply and to be with the main group, mm. there is a real um, survival level within us as human mm. beings, our biology, mm. that, you know, that we want to be where we know we'll be strongest, which is with the mass, you know, with the biggest group that gives human beings our best strength is to be biggest with the biggest numbers, you know. Mm. So sometimes when your choice um, steps you uh, into your own truth, which is different to the mass, um, the fear is really real. It's it's a real thing. Our, our you know our system feels it. Um, you know, even sharing my story today, I can feel this little bit of anxiety and fear that's just raised its head again, shown up in my body um, as I've kind of voiced a story that's different to mainstream. And it must be some sort of um, historical trauma, you know, that was just in that story and in that um, of that time and what, what my family experienced back then that made them want to hide that truth. Um, so there is a memory, a cellular memory, and it just, you know, it, it sort of creates a ripple of fear, which then disempowers me for a minute and makes mm. me think, wow, you know, I feel a bit vulnerable now. I feel like I'm out there on my own. Have I said too much? You know, I've shared this on radio to complete mm. strangers. And it yeah. sounds like nothing to other people, but because it's a story of your own, um, yeah, that you've mm. chosen to, you know, face it and it's your own circumstances mm. that's quite particular to you, it's personal, it, it's sort of you do feel a bit vulnerable. You feel a bit on mm. your own around it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just to just to have that compassion for people that, we know that we're here to be something more and to grow into something mm. more during the course of our life. We're not meant to sort of start life and live that same story and never grow and never test the boundaries. We are meant to become empowered and to understand ourselves mm. better. Evolve. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think part of that is to grow more compassion, compassion for others, but compassion for ourselves as well. So we've got this great, like I, I feel proud of myself that I've made some choices around these sorts of, um, you know, challenging the envelope. Um, but I also have to have compassion for myself that there is a bit of vulnerability mm. still around it, you know. When yeah. like, and, yeah. and what I'm hearing, Cherie, also is the collective trauma or the generational trauma from your great-grandfather so yeah. he, uh, of what? So that's in your cells. So yeah. so there's a memory of. So it's going to get triggered the moment that you start to step out of that. It yeah. it does get triggered, and yeah. Um, yeah. But it's only in the the action, the the you know the choice, taking that choice and having the courage, like he did, to to move beyond and, yeah. and evolve his life. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah. So again, there you go. He's that ripple effect again. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so sometimes I guess, you know, what I'm hearing is we think that they're just our feelings, but perhaps they're actually generational trauma or feelings that um that we're still carrying and mm-hmm. until we keep sort of moving and changing and evolving mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. And the more of us that choose whatever our whatever our mm. the thing is that we're choosing to break free of and grow beyond and grow through, whatever it is for each of us. The fact that we're doing it and taking that courage and choosing to do it and be authentic is is kind of what mm. matters collect- collectively, isn't it? Because by moving yeah. into that more authentic space collectively, we open up so many more possibilities in our world, I think, because we can be more real, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well done, Sheree. Mm. Yeah. And from from an organisational perspective on community first leadership I've, I've been reflecting and absorbing everything that Cherie's been saying and I think integrity also plays a part in it and so yes. in, in my leadership style and what we're doing in Africa is we are um, well our intention is to align with our integrities around transforming from a charity mindset to a co-creative mindset we are creating an organisational culture around transparency, particularly with finances, and um, and we also have an organisational culture where we don't have administrators on the ground. I know I've talked about that before. So we run schools without school administration, and so these sort of it's it's a bit of a an organisational disruption to the way people in our communities are used to operating. And so it's interesting because, again, um, what on the ground people have resisted what they believe to be normal, what they believe to be socially acceptable, but what I believe to be out of integrity, not only with myself, but with them. And so as I've then stood very clearly in, in my integrity around these, uh, these concepts, there's no room actually for people to come in and, and really challenge it. The, the room is created to change. And that's actually what we've done. So it's, this is why I've aged so much, but it's, it's actually what, what we've done because what it's done is we've created the choice based on human integrity and people have risen to meet that. A, a few have dispersed and that's okay, but the majority have actually risen and we have our systems of transparency. We have our systems of co-creation. We're very clear on how that is part of our corporate community culture. 
and touch wood it's working <laughs> yeah and you know if, if we if we're on onto something here around this ripple effect that the fact that you've decided to create change or yes. you've made the choice to create change mm. within a culture and mm. um, not necessarily an african culture no, but i mean no. just you know, in yeah. a culture yeah. um, a business culture yeah. or model and even my family culture you know yeah. like what we say about christmas yeah. yeah 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 but then of course that and you're talking in terms of um, courage and integrity, it creates that that ripple effect so that other people feel like they can have other choices. They can create change where they need to and not have to stick to the status quo all the time. Absolutely. Mm. It's very empowering. Yes, it is. So, okay, so next week we're going to be talking about um, culture and creativity. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very exciting. Very exciting. Um, and that's our last last one for the four-part series. But for our listeners today, if we can each give um, somebody a takeaway, um, what would be your your gift that hopefully would create a ripple effect today for somebody? So for me, it would actually be go for it. It would be as simple as that. Go for it. If, as we talked before about um, resisting, don't resist. Mm-hmm. Go for it. It will be amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Cherie? Um, I think it would be to listen. To listen to what's stirring in your within yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you can go there yourself and put, you know, yourself in the game and play. You're here to live, you know, to actually feel the feelings, to, to live, to go through the challenges. If you can do that, if you can make those choices, I really do believe it empowers and strengthens your ability to lead others, you know, to be available for leadership. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Cherie. Thank you. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I would offer the, the concept of knowing that you actually have a purpose and um, it doesn't mean that you have to do, um, yeah, you don't have to comply, that you know that your spirit has a purpose and it's here for a reason to do something. And if you feel like that's being um, stifled in some way, then you know that it's, it, you're, you're being um, groomed, <laughs> so yep. to speak, yeah, or mm. you're making choices that aren't supporting you, mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, so hopefully if, if these three things help you today, that would be great. Um, so join us again next week at the same time for the Now We're Talking show. And in the meantime, I leave you with this following quote. Choice may invite change, but the sheer nature of change will define your choices. <laughs>